before we really had a great process, I think we, we were just throwing up a, a bunch of shit at the wall. And that's what I see a lot of brands doing. And you're not really generating learnings. And I think that's something that's super important is not just a test for the sake of getting winners, but for the sake of generating learning. So you have to be just like very systematic, very organized about how you do it. To me, what that looks like is very iterative approach, same ad, same exact thing, changing just one variable at a time. That would be probably where I would start. And then you can kind of get into multivariate testing. You were going to talk about some creative testing. Um, we were going to talk about uh, post-purchase and mm -hmm. kind of thinking about thinking about post-purchase flows, cross-selling, upselling, all the things that we we talk about very often on the inside. Um, mm -hmm. And we can talk about brands we love and mm -hmm. some things we don't love in post-purchase. Let's do it. Which one you Which one you want to talk about first? I, got no I think preference. the folks. I think the folks like when you kick it off. That's what I've been told. All right. Speaking of, I got a different sparkling water than normal today. I think it's a Target one that my wife got from, from Instacart. Have you tried this one? Good and Gather. I think it's a Target one. I'm not going to lie. I mess with Good and Gather seltzer big oh, really? time. Yeah. First of all, yeah. First of all, the can, like the mat. For, like Target has done a much better job than any other. I think you're drinking a caffeinated one. Mm -hmm. um, but the non-caffeinated yeah, is. is kind of like a matte can. Uh, they oh. mess with design. I think Moise was talking about it on one of the podcasts. With, yeah, with how they Nick, do like they, private label better. Yeah, they just do. They focus on design, but they have like a strawberry mango that absolutely mm. slaps. Um, underratedly good seltzer. I'll have to try that one. Yeah, yeah. We didn't get this one caffeinated on purpose. Just kind of didn't realize it, but I'll have to try it. Uh, Shout out to love, Tarjay. Love some seltzer. There, we had one in the office recently. I don't know if you tried it, but a few people said it was like the best they had. I mean, I forgot the name of it. Sound. Sound. Yeah, was that it? Sparkling tea. Was that good? Oh, yeah, I mean, tea. you keep forgetting I'm a beverage boy. I know. So did you, Sparkling was that tea. from you? Was that from no, I think, okay. I think somebody else in the office got it. Um, we had Sanzo a little while back too. I thought yeah, that the sound, yeah, one of the, was it like the green tea? One of the flavors we had was really, mm -hmm. really good. Um, I'm a seltzer boy until my, my dentist recently told me that I'm messing up all my enamel, but you oh, only fuck. Once, I think so. that's what I'm doing too. I know I guess yeah. drinking with the straw. I also don't feel nearly as hydrated when I drink it, but I know that's not what people came to listen to, to us talk about seltzers. <laughs> if people want, we'll do a blind seltzer tasting as our next episode. Just hit us up on Twitter. Let us know if you want us to do a seltzer tasting. We'd totally be down. So it's been a hard year for e-commerce brands. And you know, one thing that we've all been focusing on a lot more, certainly us at Jones Road have been focused on a lot, is retention, specifically owned audiences. What are you doing to provide the best possible customer experience and getting as much value and revenue as you can out of your existing customer cohorts? And an amazing way to do that is with an owned app using Tapcart. I truly believe, you know, a few years ago when everyone was starting, you know, SMS programs for us, I really didn't think that brands needed to, you know, have an SMS program. And, you know, I kind of feel the same about apps. At first, I wasn't really sure. I thought a website was fine. But honestly, since, since learning about Tapcart and seeing how great it is, I've actually become a believer and I really believe that for most brands, having an app as a part of their retention tech stack for owned audiences is such a great idea. So what I want to do is just show you guys a little bit of the inside of Tapcart. I just show you what it looks like, preview the app for you and just kind of walk you through how easy it is to use it. It's super cool. Before I got started with Tapcart, I thought that I really didn't know much about an app, but I figured it would take a ton of time, be super expensive to develop, thought you needed your own developers. But it's actually super simple. Tapcart set up this app for us in about a week. They do all of the design. They pretty much make it just so easy. So all you have to do, if you can plug and play and, and drag and drop just like a landing page builder, you can get an app going for your store pretty instantly, you know, in a matter of weeks at the very most, sometimes within a week. So I just want to kind of show you guys the app. I mean, look at it. It looks just like our website. It's pretty awesome. You can have, you know, your nav, you have your logo in here, you have a cart. You can, again, it's, look how easy it is just to edit the content. You can just, you know, change your images, change where it goes to, change the section. They've just got a bunch of these sections that you can kind of just put in there, especially if you want to do something. You know, an app is a great time, you know, to offer uh, a great place to offer promos, exclusive things to your existing customers. You can put in here, you know, look how easy this is just to drag and drop, right? Like I said, if I can do it, anyone can. Just drag and drop, edit the content, remove it. You can change your, you know, your font. But yes, yeah, it's, it's a great time. It's a great place to offer promos. So you can definitely kind of make use of, of some of this existing content. 
uh, just kind of drag and drop some of these blocks in when you want. You can have videos in here, so it's great for content, exclusive content for for your customers. Again, it looks just like our website. They were able to match it pretty perfectly. But you know, one of the benefits is because it's an app, it loads super quickly. So yeah, again, you can see kind of how easy it is. You can edit, you know, theme settings in here. You can edit the navigation. It's super cool. They've got some really cool features to to grow your app and your user base. Where you can scan a QR codes. You can you know print or create a QR code that you can use online or anywhere. Direct people to your app if you want to. You know, direct people to to your app to get a discount from your Facebook group, whatever it is. So this is a super cool one uh, that I've seen a lot of brands use really well. You know, you can get a ton of data. Uh, you know, another thing I love is push notifications. So again, we're all trying to reach customers where you know ads are expensive, CPMs are up. It's getting harder to track. So we're all trying to reach places and email is great. SMS is great, but, it, but it, you know, there's a cost to it. The cool thing about a push notification is there's no additional cost to send a push notification. So just like you're going to set, set up, you know, I'll, I'll show you exactly how to do it. Just like you're going to set up a text, you can set up a push notification just as easily. But with a text, there's a cost every time you send it out. And if your brand's growing, that can, that can definitely add up. With a push notification, there's no incremental cost. So you can set up, you know, based on a product, you can do it based on a collection, uh, so again, I think that this is super cool. You can do it based on the collection. You just write your copy in here. It's super easy. Change some settings. You can schedule it. It's awesome. It's super cool. Uh, it's a great way just, again, to be able to kind of another way to reach your customers without an additional cost. The great thing is, right, it takes up it takes up the screen. You can even make these full screen and there's no additional cost. You know, if I, if I haven't said that already, I love it. I think it's super cool. Like I said, I think nearly everybody should consider having an app. And the best part is if you go to uh, tapcart.com slash down to chat, you can actually get up to two months free. Go to tapcart.com slash down to chat. You can see this amazing landing page that I have. Just fill out your info, book a demo with the Tapcart team. And I highly recommend you do if you're trying to squeeze out more incremental revenue from your existing customers in 2023. Everybody talks about creative testing. That's your biggest lever and whatever. Like I agree. It is 100%. I just want to move past that and try to be more actionable because everybody is like, all right, you got to do creative testing. What? But what does that actually look like? And to me, nothing is um, – it's, it's a great fucking idea, but it's like, all right, let's, let's actually try to be helpful. How do we actually do that? And so a lot of what I focus on and what we try to focus on is, is building the operations. And I'm not like an ops guy. I'm more of an idea guy. It's not my strength. But I just recognize the importance of how important it is to build the oper- operation – Operational processes, is that even a word and, and I think a phrase of, of how to do it, right? So I just kind of want to walk, walk through that, talk about sourcing creative, talk about testing creative, talk about creative production, all that kind of stuff. Um, I am going to write a newsletter this weekend about it. So just, I just kind of got some some feedback that people wanted that. So this is kind of just for me to kind of flesh out of my head, see the feedback and, and go from there. Do you know, Cody, that people come to Down to Chat for the practical and tactical? I don't know. I thought they were they were they wanted to listen to us talk about seltzer. Telling you, it's it's a practical and tactical. Let's get into it. Practical and tactical. All right, let's get into it. All right, so, right first, how much creative do you need? I don't know. A lot of people will throw numbers out there. You need ten percent of your budget. You need this percent. You need, you know, I really don't know how much creative you need. Um, What's more important? um, So, so much of this is it depends, right, guys? What's more important, quality creative or quantity creative? Like all this shit is important. I mean, I, I will say you you need a mix of both. You know, you. You, you probably need quantity because you don't know what quality is. And a lot of times when you think mm-hmm. quality, you know, what quality is, it doesn't really perform and you'll just get this fucking like janky looking UGC shot sideways on an iPhone that just gobbles up spend and is just your best performer by far. So like you really wouldn't know that if you were only testing a few things. And I think anybody who thinks that they're, you know, uh, so good that they know that what's going to work is kind of full of themselves and, and you're just robbing yourself of opportunities. So quantity is absolutely important, but you just can't sacrifice that at, at you can't sacrifice, you know, quality for, for quantity, right? You need a lot of swings at bat and you want to make those swings at bat as good as possible. One of the most important things is so also to be able to, you know, test that very, uh, very often, you know, so I prefer to test, we'll talk about kind of like the, the cycles that we do it, but also you have to test just like a call out from getting, very systematically, very strategically. Before we really had a great process, I think we, we were just throwing up a, a bunch of shit at the wall. And that's what I see a lot of brands doing. And you're not really generating learnings. And I think that's something that's super important is not just a test for the sake of you know getting winners, but for the sake of generating learning. So you have to be just like very systematic, very organized about how you do it. Um, to me, what that looks like is 
you know, very iterative approach, same ad, same exact thing, changing just one variable at a time. That would be probably where I would start. And then you can kind of get into multivariate testing. If you're doing multivariate testing, right, you have to make sure that you're you're testing the same variables you were doing like an A1, B1. So for example, we'll test hooks, right? One of the, the first places for people to start is testing hooks because that's what most people are going to see. It's also one of the most important things, not the most important thing, but definitely one of the most important things. And we'll test visual hooks and audio hooks. So we'll go like, a, we'll do like an A and V. So we'll do an A1 with a V1, right? So audio one with visual one, A1 with a V2, audio one with the V2, and then we'll do V2, A1, right? So just trying to hit all those potential combinations where we're, we are changing more than one variable in those ads, but we're only changing one at a time in comparison to other things. So first step, if you're not in there and you don't have the bandwidth, because that's, that's more ads. And also you don't need to test as many ads if you don't have as big of a budget. If you're spending $1,000 a day, you probably need five ads a week, right? Like I'm, I'm kind of making up some of these numbers, but if you're spending, you know, 60K a day, you probably need, you know, 60 ads a week, 30 ads a week, whatever it is. So, so how many uh, variables of each ad you do is obviously going to completely change. But, you know, if you're just starting, test the same ad with three different hooks. Change, keep everything else the same, but just those hooks. That's the most important. Don't test your end card because the least amount of people are going to see that. Um, but really testing systematically. So here's the beginning, right? First step, first question is how do we know it to run? If this is a brand new account, if this is a brand new company, that's a little harder. You you know, you know, gotta figure out what types of creative works, what doesn't, you have so many different concepts. So I break it into concepts and angles. Concepts is what is the style of video? Is this a UGC video? Is it a UGC unboxing? Is this a UGC testimonial? Is this a studio unboxing? Is studio testimonial? Is this a, a flat? lay is this a carousel like those are all the, the different just types of ad units and then your angle is like what are we saying in that is this a i'm obsessed angle if if, if this is a, i've been looking for this product my whole life or if you know this is a i struggled with this whatever your angle is like that's what you're saying and you can kind of uh mix and match your angle and concept so you know for us we we i think what'll happen is when you're first launching either if you're first starting an account you're a smaller business or you're not finding that much success, I think you need to test different concepts and angles because you really don't know. You have no idea if an unboxing is going to work. You don't know if static or video is going to work. I think as you find more success, you should probably be testing less of different concepts, probably really honing in and, and testing smaller variables. So doing more iterative testing, testing instead of like larger concepts um, and testing probably more of like the messaging and the angles and stuff like that. Um, but probably what can happen as I think this, this probably happens to us is then you get in a rut. You're like, okay, here's our top performer from the last quarter. It was this studio mashup with product and education and, and social proof. Um, let's just, we just got to do more variations of that. And maybe there's just a completely different concept that you need to test. So I think you got to just find the balance, but I think if you don't have good performance or you're starting out, test a bunch of different concepts, test a bunch of angles. Once you get something that's work, kind of try to really hone in on that and just very much more iterative to keep going. How do you figure out what you're saying in, in your ads, right? That's, you know, the, your creative strategy. Um, again, I'm assuming you've got some data. You want to see what people are actually saying. So I would just kind of compile data from pretty much everywhere. I mean, this is where probably Eli, you can definitely help and jump in. But I think, I think looking at reviews is one of the most important things. You can export it, put it on word cloud, but I think you should read a bunch. This is what I learned from Sharma and, and Hooks going through the process with them is they'll actually tally things up. So every time they see somebody says Miracle Bomb is, is oily, boom, that's one, that's one. And then you'll be able to figure out what's the most common thing. Um, gorgeous, you can kind of get in there and start, you know, start looking at some tickets. Um, I look at comments on ads, kind of similar thing. I think TikTok is is an amazing place, organic as well. W what else do you think? Anything you want to add? Yeah, I mean, I think that any NPS, any NPS <laughs> scores, like we have That's a good tens, of, tens of thousands. Who do we use can... if people are wondering, like, what is it, just super quickly, who do we use, what is NPS? Yeah, so so NPS is Net Promoter Score, which is essentially when when a business says on a scale of zero through ten, how likely are you to refer Jones Road to a friend? We use a, a company called Retently, R E T E N T L Y, and and the idea really is is anyone that chooses zero through six is a detractor, six through eight is a passive, 
NA through 10 is a promoter and you can ask different questions based on if they're a promoter, what about this? Did you love the most? Did you like the customer service? Did you like the, you know, the shipping and delivery, the website experience, cost, value, whatever, whatever direction you want to go. Um, but you can search keywords. So if you're seeing a keyword is consistently coming up in, in TikTok saying like this model looks X um, or they look tacky or it looks oily and you can kind of go through NPS. How, how do I that. know my shade or exactly. oh, you wouldn't see that in NPS. That would be more of a comment, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. But you can, you can go ahead and search that and, and retently both, both for qualitative and quantitative. So you'll see like, you know, Hey, I'm seeing X, like you said, like, like hooks does where they see like, Hey, this, this is, I've seen this 10,000 times, uh, B qualitative looking at like, Hey, this seems to be a problem that's coming up in multiple different ways. Um, let me think of, and, and our growth team does do that. Uh, they go through NPS and yeah. We, I, I, I guess I turn, you know, turn notifications off and muted the channel, but I remember when I had it on it, for like, we, we import our, uh, retently every, every time one comes in to a Slack channel and yes, that's annoying if you're a, a larger brand, but it really is so valuable because it's, it's just, coming, like, you don't have to take time out of your day to go and do it. You just see them when they come in and you see one here and there. And so it's just kind of like, is a constant reminder of like, it really helps you kind of stay close to the customer. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, this is, you know, we'll, we'll get to this later in the episode talking about post-purchase, but a lot of brands kind of optimize their entire journey, both on the acquisition side and on the retention side by focusing on here's what works, here's what people love about it. Mm -hmm. Or the other extreme, like this is what people yeah. absolutely hate about and don't understand. There's a ton of white space of metal, right? Like there's this massive, massive piece of reasons that people might like it, might hate it, but things that need to be spoken about. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. And I think you're probably trying to kind of figure out a little bit of, of both. Like, obviously there's a lot of things that are product based that, you know, you can't do much about if we're trying to make better ads. It's like, you know, a, you can educate and a lot of them probably comes post-purchase. A lot of that comes pre that, that, that we'll talk about. Um, but I do think obviously you want to see what people are loving about it. You want to see what type of problems it's fixing, fixing for people, both in, you know, actual problems like this is helping me lose weight, but also this is helping me feel more confident. And you really want to, for me, um, all marketing should probably be this way, but definitely paid ads are not about what are we saying that's going to make our brand sound the coolest and sound the most on brand. Obviously, everything has to be a representation of your brand values, but it's more what are our customers saying about us and what are the words that you're, they're using? Are they using this word or are they using this word, if, if that makes sense, you know, and really trying to put your copy in those words. So that's where I would start. Um, tally it up. Do it. Do a word cloud. I I, I not to hop on the bandwagon, but I have seen some some cool stuff that people are playing around with with AI and kind of being able to you know consolidate uh, data sets and and kind of look at you know all right what's what's the combination of all of our um, NPS scores and our reviews and what are the most common themes like I can kind of automate some of this stuff which I think will be cool coming out in the future. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's super cool. Do you want to talk about? I think it was yesterday or today or two days ago. This whole week feels like a, a mush where like we saw kind of one angle that somebody ran we're like, oh, this is a cool one that we can potentially run in ads. Something with like, this was a one, you know, I was able to like swap out my whole X or something. I don't, are you talking the one from Slack today or you're talking about yeah. like the influencer who posted? I, I just remember seeing somebody posted some, somebody posted something on Slack and you're like, oh, this is an interesting angle to test. And I, I was inspired by the idea of like something that we didn't really think of you know, angle wise, and then somebody else posts it and maybe it was the influencer where they posted okay. it and everyone seemed to resonate with it. And we're like, Oh shit, like this is interesting. We never thought about Jones as like, Oh, this is one easy product to swap out your entire uh -huh. drawer. Right. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe that's what, okay. So maybe that's what it was. Yeah. Maybe it was somebody yeah. who's saying that. Right. So that's a potential angle is, is versatility. And I actually think we're running that right now. I don't think it's going to do that. Well, um, my, my feedback was, like I thought we did a great job with the ad. I thought it was beautiful footage. I think it was edited perfectly. It was our best hooks, both audio and, and visual that we've done before. Um, usually in you know direct response, like when you solve a specific problem for somebody, it's much better than a general thing. Give us an example of solving a specific problem. I have dry skin. This fixes dry skin. This moisturizes dry skin or this lightens dark circles or, hmm. you know, this helps you lose weight. For, that's, that's a very like problem focused kind of mm -hmm. uh, offer product. Versus like athletic greens, 
is more of a that that's their messaging is one one thing to kind of replace them all you know they'll show mm. people with a big stack of all these pills and and the, and i've seen their tiktok ads and ugc is like oh it's such a pain to to remember to take all of these things you know i mean mm. maybe that's a problem but maybe it's how you frame it but that's that's less of a specific problem of like you're framing the problem as oh it's a pain in the ass to have to carry all these makeup things or all these supplements and it's mm. more of a specific problem of like oh this one product does this one thing is concealer fixes dark circles. Um, it's just different. So I think that'll be an interesting thing, but I think that's another one. Another one we talked about last night that we're, we've talked about a while, but we are, for whatever reason, we never did it. We're adding to our post-purchase survey. Uh, we've seen a lot of people do this and I think it's a great idea. Was there anything that almost stopped you from buying from us today? I think Matt from Lomi spoke about it on the podcast last season. I think so. I think so. I think yeah. I don't know why we never added it then, but I think we should have. But I think that'll be a really interesting one. You know, what were the objections that that were not overcome? Um, I think that's a super interesting one. Yeah, we we spoke about this on the flip side yesterday. We had a conversation, you, myself, uh, and Joanne, and we were talking about like thinking about people that didn't repurchase. Like the question, you know, usually you look at the the, the return reasons or the, you know or whatever, but you don't really ask them the question like what made you not purchase versus like waiting for them to. Mm-hmm leave that negative review or what have you um mm-hmm. it's interesting yeah yeah i think because it's like i always believe that when somebody is vocal about a problem there's probably a ton of people who have the same problem but are just not saying it you know yeah but i also think maybe there's a difference between somebody who's saying it and somebody who's not hmm. you know like there just might be other problems that aren't communicated who knows so all right do the research i think you know i like to do a, a sprints thing so to me this is like quarterly you do it, you work super hard on it, see if anything change, changes. Uh, and then it's kind of, this is where I think like, I, I draw a lot of inspiration from from tech and like product management. I think that this is, it's project management, but I think this is this is where you need somebody on your team. This is kind of the creative strategist role. This could be a growth role. It's kind of, you know, everyone's saying media buying is turning into a creative strategist. Not 100% agree, but obviously it's a large part of the role now. This could be a specific project manager on your team. Uh, a coordinator, however, is you need somebody who's, you know, taking this information and just moving the process along and really focused on that. Um, we use Notion for it. I mean, we use Asana for some things, but I'm team Notion for this. So, you know, I think you want to just come up with ideas, meet about it, do everything you do, just come up with all ideas, just put it in a backlog, right? And this this is how I think, you know, we should do everything from organic social, from from paid, from website testing, from landing page testing, you know? Uh, what are what are all of the research we've got? What are the problems we're trying to solve? Put in a backlog. Let's meet about it. And you should be able to label everything by impact and lift. Impact is what's the potential effect that we think this is going to have. Do we think this is going to make a 1% difference by we're changing a button color? Or do we think this is a completely different type of ad that could potentially change our business? You know, obviously it's hard to know, but you're taking your best guess. Usually the things that are biggest impact are always going to be bigger lift. By lift, I mean, what's the effort, right? How hard is it to pull off? Is this just something where a coordinator on our team can go into Replo or can go into, you know, Recharm for ads and be able to tweak it and just change one thing? Uh, Same exact ad, but just change the copy. That's pretty easy. Or do we need stuff shot? Do we need a landing page designed and developed? It's obviously much, much higher uh, impact or much higher lift, if that makes sense. And then you just, you just prioritize with your team, you know, whoever's in charge, you, you hopefully do it together. And it's like, oh, like if you can find something that's that's high impact, low lift, do that, right? That's really easy. One that I can think of right now is like, let's say you have a listicle running, right? Like a five reasons why. Um, you don't need any, you have a template, hopefully you're using Replo or something like that. You don't need any dev work. You don't really need any design work. That's just copy. So it's very inefficient. It's very cheap. It should be super easy to run three or four listicles against the you know, the same exact one and, and see what works because the content of your page probably matters more than like the design of it. I would, I would, is what I've seen. So that would be a, a pretty easy one. Um, versus again, if we had to, if we, had to, if we had to do a entire section or, or develop, like you just have to figure out what to prioritize, prioritize and when talking about creative specifically, you know, again, you're looking at, you know, what do we need shot? What, what can we repurpose? I think you always should be doing the best you can to repurpose creative as well as, um, you know, that's what I've seen a lot of the best teams do. That's what I think our team is doing a really good job of now, as well as obviously shooting net new stuff. Um, so I think it's that, I think it's 
planning shoots. So in terms of getting content, I think that's one where a lot of brands don't even have enough content to start with. Once you have your ideas, I think hopefully you can shoot in-house, you can shoot iPhone in-house, or you can shoot a little bit higher quality. I think there's probably, depending on the brand, some value in doing both of those, uh, whether that's founder, whether that's product stuff, you know, whatever that is. Um, if you've got launches and stuff like that, you're probably going to take stuff that maybe wasn't shot specifically for paid, but you're going to get that from the brand and creative team, but you should be able to repurpose that. Uh, absolutely. You should also be working with creators. So, you know, there's totally different ways to do it. You know, for us, we, we like to work with creators that have already posted about the brand and maybe they're an affiliate for us or they're an influencer. And, you know, we're, we're trying to grow our roster of creators. We're trying to have like, a dozen people kind of by the end of the year that are just on retainer. Um, some brands that I think do an amazing job of this are seed health. Mm-hmm. Um, who else do you see a lot of like whitelisted ads from? AG one. AG one. They do a pretty good job of it. I, I get yeah. a lot of their, their like brand ads. I don't get a lot of their whitelisted ones, but I see a lot of whitelisted TikTok okay. ads. Now. TikTok. They do a lot of TikTok. Yeah. So they do a lot of that. Um, trying to think who does a lot of stuff. Not a ton in beauty. I'm starting to see some, so people I'm are kind of catching on, too, which is awesome. But we can't, we can't give them air time. Yeah, no, not at all. Um, I'm trying to think who 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 else does it. You know, I know uh, Athletic Greens. I mean, uh, Eight Sleep does a pretty good job of it. I think Seed though does one of the better job of jobs of it I've seen. Um, I'm sure there's plenty of examples. I'm just kind of not thinking of. Um, you don't have to whitelist it. You can also run it through through your own. I, I would test, uh, but I think that's something. You know, so and then you know, also static. So those, those would be, I guess, three ways to do it. So if you work with an agency, whether you do it in-house or you, do, you work with freelancers, like taking your like professional studio photography video, you know, repurposing that, uh, taking stuff that you're shooting in-house, whether that's iPhone or, or a little nicer, you know, taking that. And then also working with creators, you can whitelist that, but then you also want to be repurposing it. So we'll take, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll clip up and we'll take, uh, you know, Bobby, uh, in-house iPhone footage with uh, some clips of content creators who have said stuff with uh, maybe some BTS and B-roll. You need tons of B-roll mm. of what we've done from a shoot, you know? So we'll, we'll kind of do a combination of that and just trying to figure out what works and what doesn't um, and really trying to repurpose that. So you got to, I prefer if you have in-house editors just because to me, the communication is so important in terms of here's what worked, here's what didn't. Um, mm. that you you either need to be really close with a freelancer or with an agency that you're working with um, to, to get that data ac- across. But if not, I think the more of this that you can do in-house, the better. Downs and Shot is brought to you by Peel. I know Black Friday this year has been nuts, and I wanted to take two minutes to walk you through some of the things that we look at in Peel to understand how we did retention-wise as well as obviously acquisition-wise. This is being shared on video if you're on Spotify or YouTube. If not, you can take a look there, but I'll also try to make it as audio-friendly as I can. So first things first, we are always looking at distribution by order number um, to understand like what percentage of these customers that came in over Black Friday are first time versus second time versus third time or fourth, et cetera. So in, in our case, you can see 55% of the customers uh, were, were new customers, which is obviously amazing, but also it's interesting to see that there are folks that have ordered six, seven, eight, nine times that are still coming back. Uh, that are still coming back on Black Friday. The next thing we look at is uh, returning customers by cohort to get a better understanding of are there spikes that we're looking at in terms of you know the second month, third month, fourth month. What you can see here is January, February, March customers had a spike in April, May, which is when we launched our foundation, but also again around Black Friday, um, which is obviously amazing to see that we're kind of re-engaging these folks. Another fun dashboard we look at is year over year. So a be- having a better understanding, not just on the gross sales and, and, and orders, but also on AOV, products sold, et cetera, and, and you know, discounting if applicable. The last interesting thing um, I love, we've spoken about audiences in the past, but this is especially interesting because we can see first-time customers that came in Black Friday to get a better understanding of obviously their AOV, um, their LTV and all that fun stuff, but we can also export this audience into Klaviyo to send them unique messaging or attentive to send them a text or hell, even turn them into a direct mailer uh, audience of customers, which is great. The last thing, which I don't have on this loom, um, is looking at gifting. So we can kind of take a group of customers and segment the folks that have different shipping and billing, um, and then assume that they are sending gifts and maybe message them differently, which is fun um, and a different way to slice and dice, which is the name of the game. One last thing for listeners of Down to Chat, if you want to give Peel a shot, you can go to peelinsights.com forward slash more forward slash down to chat 
for 20% off the first three months. So again, 20% off for the first three months, go to peelinsights.com forward slash more forward slash down to chat. Basically question, if you had 50 bucks, a hundred bucks, you were super, super low budget. You have a, you have an iPhone. Um, what's the easiest way to kind of get kicked off, start testing, figure out what works, what doesn't work. I guess it's like, my question is like, Tools. What tools would you? Well, maybe more okay. than fifty bucks. But like, what tools? More than would fifty you bucks. Use? Small budget. Okay. Yeah. Great question. One of the best ways to come up with ideas. I can kind of give an example. Organic TikTok. Um, mm. Or I, Gary V talks about this a lot. Um, whether you you know like him or not, I think I, I think he's great. I think he's got a lot of a lot of great ideas. A lot of not so great ones, but you know, definitely really trying to. I think he calls it brand formants, but like really trying to see what messages are resonating. Like I know Sharma does it the the other way. Like he'll figure out a lot of like organic messaging by running the different messaging mm-hmm. pay different landing pages, different stuff. And then he'll like rebuild an entire client's website based on the messaging that they're getting from different landing pages. But I like to go like TikTok first. It's just like one way to do it. Just do stuff organically. There's not that much of a difference between a TikTok ad and, and a or TikTok post and a good ad. You know, you need mm-hmm. a good hook for both of them. You probably need a good pacing. You need a good story. Um, that's that's important in all of them. And just see if something pops off. Um, so if you have any kind of TikTok presence, especially if you have more time than money, that's that's what I would definitely do. You're looking at comments, but you're really trying to see what's what's getting you know go, getting going in the algorithm and getting reach. And you um, film it on your and, iPhone. Yeah, exactly. Super simple. You need a light or two or, or shoot it in good lighting. Film How does somebody edit? How does somebody edit without a ton of editing experience? Are there like apps that, that anyone Cap that's Cut starting is a today? TikTok app. That's a pretty good one. You can do a lot of TikTok creators do it on their phone. Uh, they also have a desktop app. That's pretty good. You cool. know, I think most professional people are using Adobe Premiere Pro. Uh, and then, you know, what we're trying to do is we're trying to just again churn out as much as we can. So anything we can do to make that easier. Uh, so we're using this thing called ReCharm. Uh, it's essentially is this tool. I know Magic's been using it as well, where you can upload your clips. So you have to up, up, upload your B-roll and you have to like classify it. So you can say, oh, this is an unboxing clip or this is a B-roll makeup application or this is a testimonial clip. And you kind of categorize it. And then you can go in there and you can make ads. And you can be like, you can either randomize it or you can be like, all right, I want to start this ad. Um, I need a miracle bomb unboxing as a hook. I'm going to clip that, put that in there. And then I'm going to oh, wow. add in you know, a uh, Miracle Bomb product and then a Miracle Bomb testimonial. And like, you can kind of test and play around with a different order, but that's a good way, especially like if you're not, you know, an editor and not technically proficient, that's, a, that's another good way that we're testing. That's, that's starting to work really well. Um, I might mess around and recharm. It's fun. It's actually really, I, I like playing around with it. It's a lot of fun when I have time. Um, yeah, those are the main ways. So like, if I give you an example of what, what that actually process looked like for us on a larger budget, we we posted some organic TikTok stuff. Just was not something I really expected to, to take off, but it did. It, it went viral. So we ran that when we were spending a lot more on TikTok ads. We ran that as a Spark TikTok ad. Did well. I'm like, all right, let me take that same exact footage. Let me just put it on Facebook as is. That's that's a great thing to do. You know, a lot of that footage works, especially now that Reels are a bigger component of Instagram and Facebook. That worked well. We're like, all right, this is working. How do we repurpose that? We know the message works. We know the story works. We know the angle works. But like people, you know, this thing has fatigue. So we shot it studio style. We kind of rewrote and tested different parts of it. So we did production of it. And this original video was probably January of last year. And it's a variation of of this video studio style that we that we that we've shot with partners that we work with and edited in house um, is our top ad currently was our top ad in December was our top ad in September um, so it's like if that flywheel can really work or that that pipeline of TikTok organic to TikTok and Instagram kind of like UGC iPhone paid to like studio if that makes sense. It's genius. It's genius. It's also interesting because people think that fatigue moves so quickly, but they, mm-hmm. I think that people don't quite understand that if you're, if you're thinking about the broader strategy and not a very, very exact ad, you can repurpose it in different ways, which is what I'm learning now. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's definitely the goal It's just how can you repurpose? Um, you know, I think the hard part is like, we're getting to a point where now it's like, all right, we gotta, we know what works, but like, we've got to either figure out how to do that in a different shell so it looks different you know mm-hmm. do you do it in a different setting do you change up the 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 hook and like the story of the hook like we've changed up the hook a ton with like different visuals but like do you the 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 latter half of the video different but the first half the same you know i think that's important but 
Yeah, you just got to find, you know, what what is your combination? You need a combination of net new stuff that you're shooting uh, from in-house. You need a combination of creator stuff and then your your iterations and your mashups and stuff like that. I think the best teams I've seen, they do a combination of both, but they're really doing a lot of the mashing up and ex- using the existing creative and testing just very strategically. So what that looks like is, you know, you're doing your your backlog of ideas, you shoot it, you get all the stuff back, and then you start editing stuff and, and you hopefully are are structuring these tests where you start with a hypothesis. Hey, that last time, you know, that ad did really well, but our thumb stop was a little bit lower, right? Or our hold rate was a little bit lower. So I'm gonna take that same thing, that same hook, but I'm gonna change up this in the video. And hopefully you're like, here's our hypothesis. How important is it to have somebody speaking within the first five seconds of the video to get the hold rate up? Or is it better to show product? So same exact hook, same exact, you know, seconds, uh, 10 on, but that zero to five, you're, you're changing just that one variable. Um, and so hopefully, uh, you're learning from that and you're, you're structuring it very systematically. The part that I struggle with, um, would love to hear if anybody has a good solution is you get those learnings, but most people, we do it in notion. Most people are doing it in Excel or somewhere. It's like, it just gets stuck as you do this testing and it's like there and like, we get so busy. So like you don't see it. So you might test something like, I don't remember what we learned in July. You know what I mean? And I think it would be so great to have a place, whether that's a deck or some, a Figma or wherever it was, you know, where you just have kind of your learnings mm-hmm. um, summarized in, in a deck where you can always just look back on and be like, here's what we learned this month. Here's what we didn't. So, but I think you got to, you've got to run your media the way we like to do is we like to launch 25, 30 ads a week. Hopefully every Monday we let them run for a week. We either scale, scale them if they're doing great. You kill them if they're shit. You kill them and iterate on them if they're doing okay. You know, you find it. Um, and then I think you got to meet about it. So you either meet every week, every other week, every month about it. Just about, hey, here's what we found. You got to make sure you're having that that communication between your designer slash editor, so the creative team, and then like the growth team who's actually doing this, you know? So that's the most important thing is that communication and just the project management of, of moving things along and sharing the data and just continue to test in a structured way and learn and do that. So that's really to me what paid social success looks like these days. And um, I think, I don't know how you outsource that. I think that's why I think you're going to see more and goes. more brands doing it uh, in-house and, and, you know, unless if, so, if you're not getting any type of that, like that's at like a high level for an eight and nine figure brand, but you can kind of scale that down for a six and seg- six and seven, uh, seven figure brand. At least you just scale it down, bring the cost down, bring the number of ads you do, bring the number of people involved down. But you have to at least be focusing a good amount of your time on that if you want to succeed. And if your agency isn't doing that, I just speak with so many people on mentor pass calls or whatever, where the agency isn't doing anything like that. It's like, what's what's the agency really doing for you? Yeah, uh, I mean, I think it's uh, I think people think that it's impossible to run brand uh, to run ads at this level without having an insane budget. So I hope that we, we shed some light on, on how to do it without spending a zillion dollars a month. Um, but also I think brands probably don't create enough net new. Um, you see some ads that are running forever. I mean, obviously there's a chance I'm no growth guy. There's a chance that that ad is still crushing from eight months ago, but, uh, I, I think that there's probably a middle ground. Yeah, I think the the best brands are doing a combination of both. Any any questions before we go on to some retention? Um, no, I think that's it. All right, cool. Ho- hope that helps someone out there. All right, so yeah. let me let you do more of the talking. So just to kind of frame it, and maybe I'll ask you a few questions. Um, what's going on with our post purchase flow, and just kind of some some general thoughts about you know what you're current thinking about uh, the role of, of post-purchase emails in a customer journey? Yeah, I think we're in a very unique case because we have, you know, we're two years in. Um, the business has grown like a weed. We have a really strong repeat purchase rate. We have a really strong satisfaction rate, but we've also haven't done much on post-purchase. So we've kind of, we've built a, a, a fantastic, I mean, when I say we, it's, it's, you know, Joanne, who we've had in season one is the brains behind so much of this. And we've, we've created a, an insane email and SMS operation. Um, but one of the flows that we haven't fully built out is, is post-purchase. And we've, Cody and I have spoken about this since 
probably before I started at Jones, like when we connected before when I was still at Olipop, we were talking about the, the role of education and the role of, of post-purchase and, and thinking about this, like, you know, there, to, let's set the, set the stage a little bit over here. There are two kind of camps of thought here. Most brands slash agencies are very focused on a customer purchased January 1st, they get the product January seventh, January eighth. They have a they have an upsell in their mailbox. Um, sometimes it's even before that. Sometimes it's like the order gets processed ten seconds later. It's like, hey, do you want to add this to your order? We've we've kind of spoken about this probably thirteen times on this mm-hmm. podcast of like our thoughts and opinions there. Um, but cross selling and upselling is kind of the name of the game. If you buy it, very uh, aggressive. Yeah, if you buy an email course, offers discounts. Yeah, if you've ever bought an email course. On one of those, like six ninety nine for the next ten people, or like five ninety seven, twenty four hours of email help. Um, that's what they'll tell you, right? Like here's within the first ten days, upsell, cross sell, etc. I've been in this very, very alternate universe where I'm like, how do we make sure that people are educated about the product, understand what they bought, make sure they get the most value out of it, so when they're when we tell them, hey, like, are you ready to repurchase? They actually have gotten value out of their first prod- product. Um, and we've kind of been meeting in the middle on this. Um, I think it's one of those things. It's, it's like the brand versus performance debate or the retention mm-hmm. versus acquisition. Everyone's like, you know, everyone is almost like religious about them. And it's like, it's, <laughs> it's retention. It's not acquisition or it's performance. Yeah. It's not brand. It's like, you know, if, it's everything. if we zoom out a second and it's like, they actually go hand in hand and like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like the better you are retention, the easier acquisition is, um, you know, the stronger your brand is, the the easier performance marketing can become, but also the more impactful it actually can become, you know, the, um, the better you are at acquisition, the easier it is to retain, right? It's a full, yeah. full not, not always. So that, that one is maybe where it isn't. Cause like a lot of people just, they're very aggressive on acquisition and that makes it harder. But theoretically, they should help each other. Yeah, a strong retention program gives you the margins to be able to spend more on acquisition. You know, um, you can't retain customers that you haven't acquired. But I think this is one where it's like you're really focused on providing a great customer experience to hopefully make people buy. Most people are focused on making people buy, and it's like, why can't you do both? You know, why can't you? You've add value. This is kind of like the the brand versus performance marketing thing. Mm-hmm. You know, most people are like, "Oh, brand is adding value. It's telling stories and whatever." And performance marketing is like offers. And it's like, why can't you make offers or at least convince people to buy while also making them feel good about it? I think that's kind of what what your your goal is and look at, is on it, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean that. So that's that's essentially what we've what we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks and months is that you know if we can provide a a, a bunch of education, storytelling, brand values, all the fun stuff, while also thinking about what is is there an ideal customer journey? What what is the ideal customer journey if there is one? If we are how many different customer yeah. journeys are there? Yeah, yeah. And if somebody purchased like our best selling miracle bomb, do we want to upsell them to a different? A different shade of it versus upsell them into or cross sell them into skincare, et cetera. But I think that we've we spent a lot of time kind of thinking about the 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 thought process around it. Now we started, you know, Joanne is kind of pushing to to start building this. Um and it's it's gonna be a blast. It'll be a lot of fun and I'm excited to kind of share what we have as we as we build it out. Um but that's the goal. The goal is to kind of find this middle ground on on educating, on making sure that people kind of the, the way I think about it is mission number one is regret minimization, right? It's like somebody just spent $35 on something. They have no idea if they'll like it or not. They bought this because of Bobby Brown telling them to on an ad. And it's like how do we make sure that these people have the best possible chance of of liking it? Mission number one is regret minimization mission number two is explaining how how to get the value out of that so it's a you know explaining again like you bought this because it'll do x y and z almost reselling the product before they receive it and b here's how to use it here are the do's here are the don'ts so that when people get it you know like our one of our our complaints are it's too sticky and it's like a lot of these customers um haven't seen this video of bobby that says like break the seal and this is how you you know and and when we share that Customers are like, wait, holy shit, this is fantastic. So I think it's like a combination of regret minimization, education, and then we enter this like, what are the products that work well with this? Or where should you go from here? 
um, which is the part I'm really excited about. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. So again, just kind of summarize it. Like it's like you either see, you see some of that. I don't think you see a ton of it, like very educational customer journeys and, and plus, but you see some of it, or I think you see some just like none of that, no education, maybe a little trying, but like not great. And then it's just like, Oh, special offer for you. We miss you. Come back and stuff like that. And do you think you can, you, you think you can balance it? Like the goal is retention, right? That's, that's a number. And yep. you can either try to do that by upselling hard, which would be more of like the direct response tactic. But do you think you can, you can kind of balance it and get those numbers up and get people to buy again with the, the value add approach? And if so, how would you do that? I think so. I think the difference between, between you know, the direct response and I get not the difference, the middle ground here is this almost like soft selling, right? It's like, yeah. it's, it's, it's making sure you understand the value, making sure you're getting, and it's, it's everything from educating about how to use the product, but also like maybe it's a plain text email that's just checking in. It's been a week since you got the product. Do you have any questions before? Here's how the product you got works really well with the other one. So if you bought a miracle bomb, and you told us, this is my, you know, current idea. Yeah. If you bought a Miracle Bomb and you told us you're interested in, or you have dry skin, right? Here's how Miracle Bomb, the, here's how to use Miracle Bomb if you have dry skin. And you're not just using Miracle Bomb, but it's like, oh, use it with this, this, and this. And you just happen to have a call to action link in there. So that's, yeah, that's, that's what I guess we'd call like a soft, a soft upsell, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's not crazy intense. It's not, it's not heavily driven by an offer. And maybe there is a universe where we do gift with purchase for somebody that's like, you know, on the way to churn, or maybe we, we discover that anyone that purchases four times and hits X, maybe that's what it is. Like somebody that hits X in LTV or X in, in AOV, like that's the, that's the golden space. And maybe we kind of gift with purchase to get there. Um, but I think the, the, the vision really is if, if we want to hit these numbers, right. It's like, we want to make sure that the way we hit these numbers is people have a, a strong enough reason to repurchase. I think the biggest reason not to repurchase is having a product doesn't work for you. Right. So obviously in every, you know, if you have bad, a thousand bad, people, bad experience, which would be product yep. that didn't work for you and a bad experience with the brand. hundred percent. And that's kind of like the biggest detriment. So the, the, the other thought there and, and not to be bouncing around a lot here, but the other thought is like, if somebody has, you know, if somebody purchases Miracle Bomb, there's, let's say, a, I don't know, one, two, three percent chance they don't like it. Um, but if somebody purchases four products, right, if we get them in a kit, in a startup kit or a 101 or whatever, there's less of a chance of them not to have one product that they that they love. So it's like thinking about that pre-purchase, like, can we drive people to, and that's like increasing AOV and, and, and all that stuff. But like, if we can get people to purchase more than one product on their first order, and that's like, an increase in the in the free shipping threshold, all that stuff is like if we can get more people to purchase not just one product. There's I'm no I'm no math guy, but there's probably a higher um, a higher chance of them sticking around. And then there's the long term kind of vision there. Um, if we can educate and then upsell, which is again, it's it's not like a six month process. It's just instead of four days, we're thinking twelve. Right? It's not this crazy shift. Four days, you're thinking 12. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I think, and it's part of it is, I think, is looking at the data and a lot of people look at the data and they're like, oh, this is when people are most likely to buy or this is what people are most likely to buy again. Let's go buy three, get one 20% off, right? And it's more of like, hey, this is when people are most likely going to buy. So let's give them education before it. And like, we'll still try to time it, but you can still time it properly without having to say like, like, I think this is one like, I think people erode margins and they don't really think about it and they don't do the math because there's not a variable cost to, to doing yeah. this type of marketing, but they, they just look at what's having a higher conversion rate or what's, which email test is having more revenue, but they're not actually looking at like what the margin differences are. But of course, if you do an abandoned cart or a post-purchase or a win back and you're going no discount versus discount, like the discounts usually going to win from a revenue perspective, but obviously you've got to make, you've got to take all the factors into account. And I think, we are trying it. Like you said, we might do a gift with purchase, but I think we're really trying to do the best that we can of not, you know, getting people to mm -hmm. come back on a discount, maybe gift with yeah. purchase. Hopefully we're doing that as late as possible. But, uh, I think, yeah, for us, it's like the more, the more products you can get in somebody's hand, the, the better, right? I think it's like once somebody bought, you know, has bought a certain amount of them, they're much more likely to buy again versus if they've gotten one. It's like, I don't know if I love that one. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's spot on. The 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 piece about like 
understanding what the ideal time, meaning like if somebody buys in the first 18 days, right? Like, or 21 days, they're, they're more likely to repurchase. So brands mm-hmm. optimize, like, let me spam them with 35 upsells in the first 19 days versus taking the first seven or eight or nine to potentially yeah. educate and making sure not to upsell them before they even got their package or not to upsell them. If somebody's purchasing yeah, from a big. brand they've never touched before, right? It's like, you're buying a product that's a, that's a, it's new. It doesn't exist. Like this is a category creator, this miracle bomb. You've never bought it. You have no idea if you're going to like it. You get the product before you even got the product. You have six emails telling you to try something else. Once you get the product and you like it, I don't know if those upsell emails are even going to get opened because you've already spammed them nine times. So it's like being thoughtful yeah. around, around. Right. No, I think that's, I think if you're a category creator, I think that's a really good point is that'll change. You know, if you're just buying a, a supplement, that's kind of the same uh-huh. as everybody else. And you're buying like a, like a goalie a- apple cider vinegar gum. Like there's not that much education like that you can really do there. Right? You can probably get somebody but, to buy a different, a different skew before it arrives. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Or, or buy more of that. Yeah. But if you're buying, but it's like, you don't need to educate them on how to use it. You just take a gummy out of your mouth and, and you eat it. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But if you are doing something like athletic greens, I would say it's not the only greens powder, but it's a little bit more unique about when to, when to take it and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Or if it's a low me or if it's a supply razor, um, just, just products that are very different than the traditional and to have success with them, you need to know how to use them. You kind of have to have like a SaaS like onboarding experience where like superhuman gets on a call with everybody to make sure that they actually know how to use it because they know, yes, it's a little bit more expensive, but the people, the cohorts that go through the call are much more likely to stay and retain, you know? And I think that's the thing is like, what do, what do our customers have in common, our best customers and not? And it's like, what one theme that we've seen is like, and it, it's dumb, obvious, but it's like people that don't use it correctly, they fucking hate it. The other theme that we see is people that follow us on social have a higher likelihood of enjoying our products. And the reason why is because they've seen Bobby use it a thousand times, right? That's kind of the same thing. Like they know how to use it because they've seen that being Mm -hmm. used 10 times versus the people that just came in on an ad, never opened Mm -hmm. an email. Like we've seen, I've seen this on the CX side. Like I cannot tell you how many emails we get. And I shared one with Cody this morning of like somebody that reached out saying like, this is, this is awful. Mm -hmm. And then we replied saying like, here's how to use it within an hour. They're like, Oh my God, I feel bad about my review. This is wonderful. And it's like, we just yeah. told them how to use it, right? So it's like, and we yeah. do a ton of education. But again, I think the other thing you need to realize is that say you're a brand that you put a, a card in the box, you send the email, you send the text. At best, your email open rates are 50 something percent. Mm-hmm. At best, your SMS is 50, 60, 70 percent. At best, 60, 70 mm-hmm. percent of people look at that card and go to the link. You're leaving a ton of room mm-hmm. for people that don't know how to use There's it. So, so much. Something... You're, you're totally right. There's so much cognitive dissonance, and yeah. every marketer thinks if they just put a message out there, their job yep. is done. It's like you just need to. I don't know the right way. I don't not spam people. Like you need to be yeah. very persistent with with having the same message pre-purchase on the PDP on the landing page, post-purchase email in the card. Hopefully, having it on social. Like you need to have it in as many places as possible because there's so many times where it feels like you've said it over and over and, and customers don't know. I remember I bought a Comatier for the first time and I know that I didn't know how to use it at first and I even remember getting emails about it and I remember uh, getting a card and thing and I still got the product. I'm like, what the fuck do I do? Like I have no idea yeah. like what I'm supposed to do with this. And, and I'm, sure I've, I'm sure I saw ads of somebody using it. I'm sure the emails mentioned it, but like, you know, people skim. They don't, they don't really take, you know, full notice of that. So I think that's the really hard part. Um, who are some, some brands that you think do a good job and and you would look at as inspiration or examples of, of what, what to do? I don't want to have a better idea. Yeah. I have a better idea. What not to do. You're going to call people out. Yeah. I was going to say, I wasn't going to say brands, but I was going to say, I was going to say some weird, some weird shit, not even on the welcome flow, but on, on like abandoned cart, some weird shit that I've seen. Um, and then you can talk, talk about okay. the brand that you mentioned yeah. pre-recording that you love because I, I have the same feelings towards them. But um, some weird shit I've seen lately in the last few weeks, I've seen abandoned cart flows that are so insanely aggressive. But also, I don't know if this is new or PayPal's just having a good time recently. I've seen like I abandon the cart and then I'll get an email from PayPal I've got saying that. like, right? I think that's new. I've that's I, weird. I, yeah, I've got it. It's a few months ago, but it's weird. 
like you have $5 off on X and it's like, it's not even from the brand. So the brand mm-hmm. sends like three really desperate emails saying like, buy it, buy it, buy it, your cart's expiring. But again, like on all of these, and it's back to our education piece, I've not seen a single piece of education. It's just Ooh, this hard I got a, selling. your cart's expiring from a brand I love the other day. I was so it's awful, it. right? It, it, yeah. You hate to see it. You love yeah. a brand and then you're like, I don't know who's doing this email. But I mean, like abandoned cart, I've gotten abandoned cart that was like, there are some abandoned carts that are very direct response, right? It's like, this will help you lose weight, right? And it's like, okay, at least they're delivering on this premise. It's like, you want to lose weight. You're probably feeling a moment of inspiration. You just had a donut. You don't feel great. Like, they're, they're trying to hit you where it hurts. Um, but like zero education is just like, your cart's expiring, 15%. And then you get a, a email from PayPal. And then you get the like safe opt, weird, like you just browse this website. And it's like, you just got hit three times. And you still have no fucking clue what this brand does. And what about post purchase? Like what what's some some cringe shit yeah. that you've seen post purchase? Some I mean some some don'ts and you can talk about yeah. the do's. Um some don'ts I've seen post purchase are asking for a review before the product gets to you. Totally. Um totally. I've seen people get invited to VIP communities when they have never purchased in their life, right? It's like you're like invited to this super exclusive secret society, mm-hmm. but it's it's not a secret if every first time customer is invited yeah. on the first email. I've seen people pushing for cross-sell and upsell on a product that doesn't make sense. Um, for example, I've seen a, like I purchased an ear freshener, but it was like up mm-hmm. with 10 different scents and they were already mm-hmm. upselling. And I'm like, it would take me six months to use that. Like that just doesn't sure. even make it doesn't sense. doesn't make sense for like, yeah, yeah, that's a good point is whatever your, every brand's post purchase is going to look different, even your, your upsells and, and whatnot. Cause you really have to take into account the, the, the product life cycle. We had this at Olipop where it's one soda and, and multiple flavors, but it has to be refrigerated. You can't drink more than a couple of cans a day. So it's like, how much can you upsell? Right? Yeah. yeah. Or, but patient. also the timing of it. Is, yeah. Don't hit me after two days, hit me after a month. Eight. Yeah, yeah, or twelve, or even, or even like start thinking about gifting and start thinking about like not every product has to be like, and and perfect examples for this is like beds, bikes, cross net volleyballs. Like there are certain things you just you're not going to buy four of them, but you might decide to gift it to a friend, right? So I think just being strategic about that is like not every upsell has to be you bought this now buy that. It could it could be more creative. Yeah, I think also if you have a very big, um, you know, product assortment, um, being really thoughtful about what you're upselling to people matters. Again, I think like clothing, I'll see it a lot of times, especially a lot of these like bigger legacy brands. It's like, yeah, yeah. I, I bought something in men's shoes. Like I don't need to see like like women something. You know what I mean? Like like be yeah. Use your data that you have. Use your kind of you know frequently bought together market basket analysis stuff to and and your customer journeys to see like where is the next best place to take this person, and then if you can look at it, hopefully segmented by if they liked it or if they didn't. But yeah, I think it's it's also it's like it's gonna feel less spammy even if you're mm-hmm. making an offer and if you're upselling if it's at least relevant to the person. But it's gonna that's be good just don't. more spammy and annoying. Yeah, yeah. It's a good don't. Is like brands. If you're collecting user data, if you're using a quiz like Octane, and then you're ask, and then you're selling. Like if somebody's like, "Hey, I my, this is my shade. Yeah. This is what I my skin is like," and then you sell them something entirely out of category. That's just lazy. I totally agree. I totally agree. Unless yeah. there's some data or they've indicated that they want something mm-hmm. like that. I do think there's there's times to try to get them into that category. Yeah, I read this thing about Target. Like they they do a great but creepy job of using first party data, and like they would send they would um, right. Everyone like talks about personalization. They would they would send catalogs to people that they thought were pregnant based on the first party data that they had, not people that wow. said they were pregnant, but based on what people have purchased and stuff like that, or what um, they searched for. Search for yeah, or I think some like predictive stuff like oh people that you know bought. Um, I don't even remember what it was, but it was not even like a pregnancy related thing. But like wow. there was just like enough of a correlation that if you bought, let's just say like laundry detergent, I'm making it up. It wasn't that. Then like six months later, like you're probably pregnant. And so I remember this one, like it was like a girl who still lived at home or something and her dad went into Target. And this was like how her dad found out that she was pregnant. It was like some wow. like article I read a while ago and he was like fuming mad about it, you know? So what they do now is like, that's cre- creepy to be like, oh, how the, does Target know I'm pregnant? I never told them. 
they'll send a catalog and they'll still have pregnancy related items in it, but it'll be like every one in five, they'll have like a lawnmower in there or something like that. And like their catalog. So I think that's also just a don't is like, if you are collecting data, you know, um, obviously respect people's privacy, you know, use the data correctly, but also like, don't make it creepy. Don't I, like, don't say because <laughs> you bought Cody. this, you might like Don't this. be creepy. Don't be creepy. Yeah. So that Wait, would be an we, example. Can you do do's? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think we talked about a bunch of do's, but obviously it'd be the inverse. Um, I think people should, um, add or value the brand that you love. Yeah. So people should add value. People should, if it is relevant for your brand, educate, try to do, mm-hmm. like Eli said, some regret minimalization. So some social proof, you know, you're not selling, but you also are like, if somebody buys for the first time, don't assume that they're going to be a loyal customer mm-hmm. and like your product touch it. Like you, you, you have to sell them on the vision of the product and, and making sure that they use it. So making sure they have a good experience of using it, but you're not trying to like sell them to buy again, but you're still mm-hmm. selling them on the product. I think that's what you need to do in post-purchase, whether that's education, whether that's social proof, whether, whether that is, I love, uh, you know, uh, asking for, for feedback. I love, uh, you know, I think we do, we do this and I've seen a lot of brands do it like a post-purchase, um, plain text email from somebody on the CX team, mm-hmm. you know, asking for feedback on how the product was and, and seeing if they need any help. I, I love, I love that. Um, yeah, brands, I mean, I'm, there aren't that many brands that I can think of and I'm like, Oh, like this was an, an unbelievable customer journey. The one I can think of recently was Bobby. It's the formula brand. So we just switched from another one because my daughter was having some stomach stuff and it was amazing. So I did the starter pack, right? It was like a two, two starter pack and they use, I don't know if they're using Wonderman. We use Wonderman, but I got some like, uh, let me pull up the email that I have here. I got some, you know, shipping notification or it's been delivered. And so they have, you know, it's been, it's arrived. It was delivered today. Here's kind of the details, but then they have a block under it with some type of educational thing which is amazing. And I think the reason why I was so impressed is they didn't say you, you know, you must be thinking this or like you left this behind that kind of stuff, but they just, they, they clearly did a great job doing research of what are the most important questions and objections and hesitations and, and concerns of somebody who just perched, just switched into uh, an alternative formula, a completely different type of formula, you know? So I think I was, I was, blown away because I was wondering how do you switch? Do you switch completely out once on a formula or do you go gradually over time? And I remember like at, at the bottom of that, you know, your order is out for delivery or your order is shipped. There was a little section of footer that had a little bit of information, had a video in it. Um, what was it? Let's talk fuss, fussiness. This is right after click, you know, the, the looking of all the payment info. Let's talk fussiness, gas burps, too many swaddles, you know, question mark. Um, Bobby's RN is, is here to help answer. So they have like a feeding guide. And then another one led to a blog, um, that uh, what led to a blog that was all about how to switch and they brought it to a blog. So I think if you have any type of editorial component, I think that's such a great uh, time to do it. And again, I think you can use content to, to sell, you know, mm-hmm. through education. So for me, that just made a huge difference. It made the as a marketer, I was super, super impressed because it was done in a value-add way where it made me develop a stronger connection with the brand, but also just as as a customer, like it it made us have a better experience with the products. It ensured we used it correctly, built some trust with the brand, and I'm much more likely to stay on now. And then now I'm getting, right? So I didn't subscribe. I bought like a, you know, a, a sampler pack. I bought two of them. Mm-hmm. Now I'm getting timely, relevant messaging to sign up for the subscription without aggressive offers, which I think is totally makes sense. The, and the it's not too much. Relevant. I feel like it's yeah. enough. I don't think I'm, if they send me five more of them, I'm not more likely to buy. I'm going to buy it by the way, not because it's a better offer. I, again, I'm not right now that I'm not doing this because of price. I'm sure that there are a lot of brands. They just happen to be a brand where it's not the cheapest around, but if, if mm-hmm. it's what your, your kid needs, it helps. But also product is really important. If my daughter doesn't have a good experience with it, or if I don't know enough to give her a good experience, we're not going to buy it again. So that's what they focus on instead of to buy, buy, buy. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I love, I love everything they do. Um, their head of CX is fantastic as well. And I, I think we can end on this really interesting note that if you Google, um, hospital formula, you realize that there's this whole story around like how Similac is That's giving people, yeah, they give you in the hospital 
and babies are very, very finicky. So unless your baby's sensitive, they get used to that. And if, if a baby has a formula like three, four, five times, it gets somewhat difficult to switch, which is why that was part of our concern. Yeah. Also, we Similac figured we were, on, we were on we were on Similac um, uh, sensitive, and, and our, our yeah. daughter started throwing up like every day. And I think we figured I don't know. We started with seltzer, and now we're talking about formula. And the episode. We're, we're just starting and ending on a on a big note. Yeah. But but so I think we figured like oh like this is similar sensitive. It's what the doctor gave us. Like it must be good, you know. And it's I, it makes sense because they fucking seeded it to the hospital. That's that's like the, no the biggest talk about influencer marketing. Like that's like it's the no biggest joke. influencer. Of There's a, a lot to read. Decision. There's yeah. a lot to read around uh, Similac getting into hospitals and giving people um, giving babies their formula. I mean like. I don't think hospitals are paying much money for it. I think they're what's the hospital that you can get in for your brand? Seriously, your, your mega influencer. It's no joke. Okay, right. well, it's been fun. Okay. This we is fun. This, this this was a it's fun episode. This was this was we 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 spoke about you know all all things uh, creative ops, um, getting kicked off at a low budget, getting kicked off at, at a at a big budget. Um, target retention, seltzer post purchase target seltzer formula. formula? I think we do that though. We should do one acquisition thing and one retention thing. Just like I like that it for, for episodes. I like it. I think it, I think it keeps the people going. I think they like okay. it. And, and, and I'll and uh, put the, the mic a little closer to the mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're on episode, I think this is 10. Um, so we have two more. Uh, we'll probably do an interview or two um, just to kind of end off the season on a high. Um, yeah. See you next week. All right. Two weeks. That was fun. See you. A few weeks.